This episode is brought to you by Challengers Comics and Conversation. Go to challengerscomics.com and start the conversation now. Daniel's Law LLC in Georgia. Visit dlawllc.com. Kerberos Productions. The minds behind the games enter the pit and kaiju a go-go. Search for Kerberos, K-E-R-B-E-R-O-S, on Steam, or go to kerberos-productions.com to check out their growing catalog of titles. Hey there, conductors of the metaphysical, and welcome to the Crossrip for the week of September 5th, 2016. Welcome back to all of you Dragon Conners. Hope you guys had a good time. Is that a thing? Dragon Conners? Dragon Connies? Dragon Connie? I don't know. Anyway, hey everybody from Dragon Con. Hope you guys had a good time. It's PK Surge. It was great seeing all your photos. This week on the show, we have Tyler Foster from DVD Talk. We're going to talk about that new Ghostbusters answer call Blu ray. Get ready. Still playing with toys.net presents the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. Stop free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the key? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. Oh, we have fun. Woo! Can we talk about Stranger Things? I want to talk about Stranger Things. Can we just do a whole <laughs> podcast about Stranger Things at this point? Sure. Why? Because, well, somebody's when you mentioned it, somebody's going to have to. Um, yeah, you were too busy. You had no time for it. I you had, had no time, time for such and, things. Well, and, and I, I was trying to make it, uh, you know, another one of those, like, carrot on the stick dangling in front of me rewards. Uh, and, and as soon as you mentioned it on the show and I had no idea what you're talking about, I'm like, God, everybody is talking about Stranger Things. I have to do this. And Well, you got in under the wire because today they announced season two and put out the teaser for it. Oh, man. I mean, like Indiana Jones sliding under the door as it's closing under the wire because we, we finished uh, <laughs> literally the night prior to us recording here when they actually announced the season two uh, episode names and stuff. So, um, but I don't, I mean, it's, it's funny because there's always those shows that people say, you should watch Breaking Bad because you're going to love it. And I'm like, yeah, I watched it. It really stressed me out. It gave me anxiety. Uh, but it's, it's interesting this this return to the interest in episode names. Oh yeah, because that's twice now because the, they put an emphasis on their episode names, which was great. And um, there's a small video short on the music for the Luke Cage series. Yeah, yeah. Where they where they pointed out that every episode is uh, named after a gangstar track. <laughs> And, and has uh, like and all of like, these awesome hip hop awesome. like artists doing the music and yeah, um, yeah. I'd, you know say what you will about uh, the current state of uh, remakes and intellectual properties and whatever uh, there's so much good stuff out there that it's not even funny like oh, between yeah. all of the Netflix stuff and all of the cable network stuff and I just can't keep up there's so much good stuff I, that I want to watch they updated um, Top Gear on Netflix, and I have a love-hate relationship with Top, with Top Gear. Gear. Yeah, I never really uh, got into Top Gear. That's not. Reason. It's not really worth getting into it because it's for a whole whole slew of reasons. But um, I do have a certain appreciation for their star in a uh, reasonably priced car, where they do the time lapse uh, of where they, they throw. You know, whatever, whatever actor. It's their approach to the whole. Somebody wants to famous wants to be on the show. We want them as a draw, and they want to pitch whatever they're working on. So we can do that for a minute or two, but then we want to spend five minutes watching them, you know, race a, you know, an economy car around a racetrack or anything. And uh, 
I think this is the last season uh, that's going to go up, and then what's his name? Clarkson bobbled it all up. They're, like yeah, the, they're calling it quits after all the controversy is what I understand, it, right? Yeah, or, or fired is another or way to fired. put it. fired, yeah. Uh, the other two weren't. They, I, I guess, quit in the show. <laughs> it's hard to say. Did they quit, or did the show just sort of go away did, around them? Yeah, did they get the rug pulled out from under them maybe <laughs> a little bit? But uh, not to wander too far off the point, Kiefer Sutherland was not and they were chatting with him and about going to 24 and he it was actually kind of amazing that he encapsulated it as they were kind of you kind of you know you kind of set the trend you, you usually you did tv or you did film and it was rare for people to do both and he kind of came and set up this and the clarkson said hey we're kind of the star of the whole you know, the box set binge watch that and all this. And they got to talking about it. And he said, yeah, because when I started in movies, there was like, uh, you know, five or six studios. And they were doing 50 movies a year. And then by the time 24 came along, it was down to three studios. And they were doing 50 movies a year. Yeah. And all the stuff I like, like ordinary people and all that, weren't getting made. Yeah. And so he said, all the cool stuff, all the, the drama stuff that I liked and all that was heading to TV. So, yeah, I went for it. And I'm kind of like... Wow, that's actually incredibly forward-thinking of you because that's exactly where we're at now. Yeah, that's exactly. All the I mean, super cool stuff is happening on the specialty like, channels. It, well, it, yeah, and and Stranger Things, like hearing the story that they went through, that they pitched it to all of these different places that passed on it, and studios or something. Like, yeah, nobody wanted it, and you know, here it's. I mean, it's it's a gem. I mean, it perfectly encapsulates so many different things. Everybody. Everybody that I talked to was like, oh, it's like Stand By Me. And I'm like, yeah, it absolutely is. And then they go, oh, it's like Goonies. And yeah, it absolutely is. And oh, it's like a Stephen King miniseries. And oh, yeah, it absolutely is. You know, it just. Yeah, with a touch of Akira. And just, yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Just outstanding. Yeah. So, I mean. And, a, and a, bu- a beautiful application of a limited budget, too. Because oh, yeah. Yeah. The thing that was most expensive to do was anything involving Eleven and her powers. And they ramped it up beautifully from teasing you with little things at the beginning to just one perfect and easy to set up shot too there wasn't really anything fancy about how they did it like yeah go sidelong it's just going to be composited in we don't have to do funny weird angles or anything and it's just flip the cgi van done (laughs) yay it was like it was like it was the perfect payoff that (laughs) was that doesn't happen much these days either too um uh, a buddy of mine, uh, he was older than me when I, when, um, Six Million Dollar Man was on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so he watched the hell out of them. And I was a little, you know, I was, God, I must be eight years younger or something like that. So I remember the Six Million Dollar Man. But it wasn't your, and the yeah. toys. But I was a little too young to be watching them regularly or anything like that. And so he got back into them again and, and found them, and we were watching them. And one of the first ones, it was the one with uh, he's partnered up with like one of the earlier attempts at a cyborg agents, and they did a scene where they stopped a bunch of bank robbers, and they went to slow motion, and simply through timing it out that everything was shot slow motion, but they kept moving. Uh, uh, Steve Austin, yeah, further ahead than you'd imagine him to be if he was, you know, a human running sort of thing. They 
um, it was amazing. The you instantly get of, it, what he does. You, yeah. You instantly get, like, like, they sold it. I was like, there's nothing. There's no special effects or no nothing. But, but by going to this surreal slowdown and through careful placement of him and the editing, it read completely as that guy runs at 50 miles an hour, <laughs> like <it> was, <laughs> which is amazing because everybody else goes, oh, we got to do effects and he's got to, you know, it's, it's got to like be flash. this big it, thing. Let's be honest. Yeah. If it's flash, flash, it does have to run super fast and you have to do effects and all that. But but that's kind of the, uh, the trap that everybody goes, oh, he runs fast, so we're going to have to do some, we'll have to put him on a trailer and he's going to have to pretend to run fast, but the truck's going to be, nothing looks right. And this one, they were yeah. like, no, it all looks natural because we're not doing anything weird. Yeah, just no, it's it that way. And it was like, and then the, he gets there, and of course, it was just a a rig door. So he, you know, yeah. grabs it in a couple of places, and the the, the hinges were on. So he, it looks like he, you know, a little sound effect. And it looks like he rips it off, and I was like, done. You know, this guy <laughs> can run as fast as a car. You know, he's out, super you strong. Know he can, yeah. Oh, it was amazing. And I think it was one of like the first or second episodes or something like that. It was just. And like I said, everybody just kind of remembers the, remember the alien Bigfoot? <laughs> yeah, what a goofy show that was. And I was like, oh, that's a shame. But, but anyways, maybe, that's, maybe that's why Stranger Things prevails so well, because it's, you know, it's it's hearkening back to, obviously, you're listening to a Ghostbusters podcast, so an era that we all know and love in, in like that 83, 84, 85 uh, range. And uh, I, I don't. I mean, they they use the constraints of production that they had in '83, and they they do the same sort yeah. of storytelling, and you don't see uh, the threat until the very end. And it's. I mean, oh, it's just so it's, good. It's, <laughs> it's just so good. I'm interested to see how much because these guys brought a lot of different elements of their love from that era together into one thing. And all I know is that they were like, in I forget what the full tagline was or teaser line was in the in the 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 announcement of season two was but it was something along the lines of in the fall of 1984 and my brain automatically went so ghostbusters has been a hit for about three and a half months all right <laughs> yep here we go here comes some ghostbusters Got it. yeah exactly so it is relevant <laughs> to listening to a ghostbusters podcast here guys yeah well come that's on. that's why i brought it up last time i was like why no love why did you have to set in 83 you missed by that much guys because the they knew because they knew well and the funny thing is when you brought it up i was like duffer brothers who are they and now i know exactly who they are and i feel bad for them because they have this enormous weight on their shoulders of hey this was a, a fantastic uh, eight episode run of a season of show that you've been loving and caring for and trying to pitch for years and years and years and you finally got you got it done and everybody loves yeah. it and okay, now we need season two and we need it as fast as humanly possible. So they have, they have this challenge time. in front of them. Oh my oh, God. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so anyway, so Stranger Things, definitely go check it out. Uh, you are listening to a Ghostbusters podcast, not a Stranger <laughs> Things podcast. I'm sorry, guys. We're but recharging, remember? I we go, are, I, we're recharging. I point you back to last week's episode. We need to recharge. But I mean, it, so it, if we, actually... If we wander around a little bit, I think we even talked about that last week. We were, we were talking about things like the companion movies and all that. And I think Stranger Things, Stranger Things actually to bring it all around is a perfect companion because remember one of the first things people did was to cut up that joke trailer with Ghostbusters and Stranger yeah. Things. Yeah. Yeah. It's and <laughs> and what well, you know it's funny you you mentioned that we need to recharge. I feel like Stranger Things gave me that bolt of energy. And and you know that the DVD Blu-ray release that we're going to be talking a little bit about here with Tyler Foster in a second, that also gave me that little bit of a jolt, but you know, Stranger Things was perfect because it 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 reminded me of everything that I love of you know of Ghostbusters and of that nostalgic uh, you know again going back to that era of '84 when I was very impressionable uh, as a, a small kid. 
you know, uh, the $6 million man you mentioned, it's that same sort of thing. It's man, that's, that's my jam. That's my era. That's, that's perfect. And so there you go. Yeah. But there's, there's a lot. If, you, if you, people haven't seen stranger things, it's a good one to watch. Cause it is, well, it feels like a really nice companion. It's not a, it's not a, it's not like a scary, it's not a lot of comedy to go along with the scary. <laughs> Let's put well, it that no, way. Yeah. Uh, and some of the stuff that they reference in it, like their little homages to things like Thing and all that. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of a thriller horror vibe more than anything else. There's not a lot of yucks going on with it. But at the same time, it, it, it emanates 1980s in, in, and not even just as a as a yuck, yuck retro kind of thing. It actually no, no. is infused with like a, a like a real sense of nostalgia for that era yeah as if it was made back then i mean it, it could have been made at the same time as lost boys and you would never know the difference it's it's that they, good they so. got it they got oh the details were amazing because uh, i watched it you know became the office uh chatter thing for a while and that friend i mentioned uh who's you know older than me and all that he was like and I brought it up on something else because I think somebody was giving them crap for using a more modern Millennium Falcon uh, yeah. in one scene. I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know that anybody's going to work that hard to find an original for 800 bucks and smash the hell out of it. Just use one of the updated <laughs> ones. That'll be fine. Um, but he was, I, I brought that up and he was like, no, you know how good they are at that stuff? And I'm like, okay, where's this going? He's, and the, the lead miniature of the monster yeah. At the beginning of the first episode, he's like, I have that. It's like a real one. It's a real monster in the monster manual, and they made a lead figure for it, and wow. he has it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and the, the tiny details, it's stuff that the set deck people did, and it just went such a long way. Like the, um, you know, when they're in the hallway at the high school, and I think it's Barb is holding like that yellow sports um, folder that everybody and their grandma had because they sold it at the, you know, school store for 15 cents or whatever. Those, and then like the, the strawberry milk and God, I mean, or, no, the orange milk, the orange milk, uh, which my wife was completely grossed out by. And I was like, yeah, that was a thing. We had orange milk, we had strawberry milk and we had root beer milk. And she was like, "Ugh, root beer milk. Like, yeah, sorry. I'll stop I'd, you right there. Like eighties, man. That's a tad more of an American thing. I will say that right I, there. I'm sure it is because, you know, it can't be healthy. It has we to never have something in it. Yeah. We never had any of that sort of thing. <laughs> like I remember, uh, so this would have been probably around 80 uh at that time you know reading comics and the you know the spider-man stops doc ock by throwing you know hostess twinkies at him sort yep. of thing yeah fully aware of hostess twinkies um and i had my first one at roughly that time because uh an aunt traveled down to the states for something and brought me back one i don't know if i was if i don't know if she was just really in tune with you know what a what a a young kid would like, or if I was just talking incessantly about them or something like that, but she brought one back and I, I was amazed. And it wasn't until years later that it became commonplace, right? Yeah, what like, is this foreign object? Thing. Yeah. I don't know what this orange milk and root beer milk thing is, dude, but what the hell? Uh, that's, um, you know, I mean, I, all of the yeah, junk with your food in the movie was, or in the show. Yeah. Like the snack we'll packs with the, the metal pull tabs, you know, we had the fruit cups like oh, and stuff God. too. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, but anyway, so let's we'll save some Stranger Anyways. Things ca- uh, for our our companion episode because I we'll just spend a whole hour talking about Stranger Things. It's going to happen. But we've got you're so excited. It's so adorable. I know. I'm so excited. We definitely have to talk about it more. It's the energy. That's what we needed with the energy, <laughs> and I got it. I got it. But uh, all right. So 
let's uh, let's do some news, and then we've got Tyler Foster to talk about the uh, the upcoming Ghostbusters Answer the Call Blu-ray release. It's going to be a lot of fun, but uh, yeah, let's let's dive into it. We'll come back to Stranger Things. Don't you worry. Hey guys, Peter. I have some news from the world of Gozer. I got some pretty cool stuff cooking up over here if you want to turn your head. I improved beam accuracy by adding plasma shields to RF discharge chamber. I have cryo cooler to reduce helium boil off. And to dub it all up, we got a freaking Faraday cage. Okay, so obviously the big news this week is the announcement of the Ghostbusters Blu-ray set. Uh, we're going to be getting to that. Yeah, hey, we, we knew it was coming. I mean, it not exactly a surprise, but just in the manner that it dropped as quickly as it did uh, was, was interesting. But we'll, we'll talk to Tyler about that. But what I think was interesting is at the exact same time, um, by the time you listen to this episode, it's over. Sorry, you missed it. Uh, they announced that Ghostbusters 2016, Ghostbusters Answer the Call, which will be our nomenclature from this point forward, uh, it's back in the theaters this past weekend. Um, they did a limited release in the theaters of the film again to coincide with the the announcement of the Blu-ray release. I, now, I can you confirm the, that? Was it is it just a coincidence, or was specifically it was? To it, and so the the Ghostbusters Twitter account actually did. You know, they put up an animated GIF of of Aaron celebrating with Ghostbusters is back in theaters uh, just for this weekend only, and then they they gave you the link to um, the Fandango ticket uh, sales. And it's only here in LA. It's only in three theaters, um, which is interesting. It's it's at the Chinese theater. It's at the uh, not in the awesome main auditorium with the digital laser projection, sadly. Uh, but then it's also in the CityWalk theater, and I think the Burbank theater. And that was it. It was just those three theaters. Nothing really close by to me. But um, so I, I I wonder why that is. Maybe just to drum up a few you know uh, last minute ticket sales for people that might have missed it in the theaters, uh, or you know now that the word of mouth has maybe spread a little bit more, they want to you know grab some people that didn't get a chance to see it or. I don't know, or or you know, it's that last little push to hit the the magic number of whatever we came up with two seventy five, two ninety five that they they desperately want to get to just that landmark. Maybe I'm not sure. Well, who knows? I mean, we've talked about it before that it's kind of a voodoo yeah. behind the curtains that we really don't know much about. Like we don't we don't know what their their goals are. We don't know what's important. <laughs> To, yeah, you know, they don't, we don't know what uh, what kind of uh, minimum wind conditions they've set and anything like this. <laughs> I think you touched on it closer as to what exactly they want to get out of it. Like, is it a bit more money or what? I don't, I don't know, but I think it does come down to the movie. For everybody that doesn't like it, there's just as many people that do seem to like it. And I think yeah. every opportunity to kind of get it in front of people, you know, when you think you've gotten around the, the the noise and all that, I think they'll definitely go for it. I think you I think it's a fair bet that maybe we'll see it again at Halloween. Yeah, like, and I mean, it, and it seems like, especially you know, here in the states. And, well, actually, in Canada, you guys have Monday off as well, right? So it's a three day weekend uh, here in North America. So you've got. You've got the the summer blockbusters are all out of the way. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of a lull here because we're heading into the fall and kids are back in school. So, you know, maybe now that all the dust has settled, this is actually it's actually kind of brilliant to be completely honest. Uh, put it back in the theaters for a weekend, let it make a little more money, uh, even if it's in whatever 250 or 500 theaters. It's not really that significant of a number, but um, give give people that opportunity to see it again. Again, like I said, there's there's no guessing at any of it. Like, has it complete? It hasn't completely left the theaters, anyways. 
No, I mean, I mean, out here, yeah, out here in LA, it it pretty much has. I, I mean, there are, there's a few of the bargain theaters that are, you know, out in the suburbs that that still have it, Um, and the the big multiplexes that have whatever twenty five theaters or something ridiculous, they still have it in their smaller theaters. But, you know, here here in the LA metro area, it's. I'm glad it's coming back out. I'm actually going to go try to catch it in the theaters again while I can. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm sure, you know, out in, like if I were to call up my parents, I'm sure it's still showing in Colorado somewhere, you know. Uh, but yeah, I'm not. This this goes back to some of the stuff we talked about ages ago where I pointed out that if you look at last year's Fantastic Four, which is com- performed way worse than Ghostbusters yeah. did. They ran it out for uh, three months. And, and but definitely didn't bring it back for another weekend. <laughs> and they didn't bring it back for another weekend. Ghostbusters is at a month and a half, and it just seems like they're turning off the lights. I'm like, why? Yeah. What, what exactly is going on here? I don't quite understand. Oh God! I mean, I. But yeah, it's it's the it's the long weekend. I think it's I. It's still you know is generating noise and ad copy and all that. And I think it's fairly easy. Especially when the word goes out that here comes the you know the home video and all that to just go hey kids you're uh, well it's a long weekend I, I guess some kids have already gone back to school but, but by and large it's like you know what you're fully committed to school starting you know Tuesday what should we do this weekend and yeah, should we see take, a movie and take if the family says, to the Let's movie. go see a movie go see Ghostbusters the, the, you know it's a natural choice yeah go I don't go think see anybody screen. Think, yeah, I don't think anybody. Let's go see Suicide Squad as a family. Um, nah, probably so. not. Let's go see Ben Hur as a family. Nope, you be you can't <laughs> throw a rock and find that in theaters here. Uh, tell you that much. But so go, go see go see the newborn movie and be slightly <laughs> disappointed. Oh no, yeah, I still haven't seen it, but that's what I hear, unfortunately. But uh, it was just okay. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, All right. Well, so I don't know. We'll we'll see we'll see how it goes and and. But whatever we, what is by the way uh, the official date for the home video? Uh, home video, we've got the digital is coming out on September twenty seventh. Um, That's what confuses me. So it is coming out early, but it's. October 11th for yeah, the disc, is that the, right? The discs are out on October 11th. I mean, that's that's something that they've started doing more recently now is the big movies, the big summer uh, blockbusters, they come out, whatever it is, like three or four weeks, even uh, in some instances a lot sooner. Like Deadpool came out on digital like three months before the disc release. It was kind of crazy how spread apart they were. I know. I, for everybody that says that every move that they've made for the Ghostbusters movie is all about desperation, I think it's not far off what everybody is doing for every movie. Because no, no, I know. I don't know about in the states, but you go see them up here, and uh, we you go sit down, and at the beginning they're like, uh, you can you can buy your tickets online, and one of the options is the special version, which gets you. The early digital copy. <laughs> yeah, you and, pre-ordered and they, the home video. <laughs> and they so want you to get it that you go into the theater and they run a little thing at the beginning going, hey, did you just buy the normal ticket? Hold on to it because you got 48 hours to go back online and yeah. upgrade it to the one. The, they are pushing the early digital. Or if you go on Xbox, uh, it's new releases. That drives me nuts, by the way. If I can't. Freaking rent it or download it. It's not it's a new not a release. release. That's like yeah. coming soon or something. <laughs> but half their new re- uh, new release lineup is pre-order, right. pre-order with extras, pre-order with the 
what do they call it? Magic window or super glass. Oh or, yeah. Like uh, smart glass, second screen or whatever it is. Rainbow yeah. specs or I don't <laughs> rainbow know. Rainbow specs. But yeah, I mean, everything. It's not, yeah. it's not unprecedented. Like Civil War, no. as you're listening to this, Captain America Civil War was released on digital uh, last week and the discs don't come out again for another three or four weeks past this. So not yeah. not completely unheard of. Um, but uh, <laughs> Buzz, BuzzFeed, did you see that uh, deleted scene that they put up on BuzzFeed? So it, it, with the announcement that we're going to be talking <laughs> with Tyler about, yes. they released one of the deleted scenes. I, I'm I, again, it's that shot of energy that I needed. That was a great deleted scene. Um, it's for those of you who haven't seen it, go, go check it out. I forget the actor's name, but it has, uh, Andy from weeds as Aaron's. Oh, as the boyfriend, strange boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, no, I did like it. I repurposed, uh, uh, Abby's line for the douchebusters. Was it, uh, <laughs> it's, it's rigid and with lots of teeth, rigid, uh, Dan, rigid it, lots of teeth. And they think they're they doing, think they're doing a favor. favor. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it was pretty good. It was, uh, I can see why they took it out. Like I, I, Paul Feig and his comedy background and improv, improv background. I can see how he kind of goes at stuff. Yeah. And it is very much a, as long as it's not an arm and a leg, um, you know, just keep shooting and then we'll, we'll figure it out in the edit sort of thing. You know, we'll, we'll, ref- I shouldn't say figure it out. We'll refine it in the edit yeah. you know, is the best way to, as opposed to Hitchcock who had everything locked down. And for him, he was like, this is a great thing. Let's, let's play around with this for a while. But then you, you know, heading into the bay, I'm pretty sure it became clear that it was like, so they have their little, uh, mad at the world. Everybody's calling us, you know, ghost girls. But he's like, yeah, there's a goat on the loose. And they get excited. They run downstairs. And what we saw in the final edit was get in the car and rush off to their first big bust. Yeah. That makes sense. It, or if they would included this scene, it was like rush downstairs and spend two minutes talking about his ex-boyfriend. Here's <laughs> like, a ten, uh, tangential uh, mm. conversation with Aaron's boyfriend, who is not mentioned anywhere else in the film, as we know. Uh <laughs> That, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a little difficult, but or it's, or it's possible it may have gotten cut because when it came time to we need to you know cut down the time, everything to do to mentioning him was a good thing to go, and that just kind of went out the window too. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting, uh, and we do get into this when we talk to Tyler. It'll be interesting to watch all these extras, which it sounds like there's a hell of a lot, yeah, of them a lot of them because too. because it's just more jokes, right? Like yeah. for. And we kind of touched on this before when we were watching the, the, when we finally got to see the movie, when we realized how much was in the trailers that we didn't see that yeah. wasn't in the, the, the final yeah. cut of the movie. So what did they say? Three hours? I mean, four, we will get into this three, with Tyler. Yeah, with three. Uh, three hours. Uh, Tyler will be able to confirm for us when we get here, but I think there's like three additional hours of content. Uh, it's, it's something crazy. There's a whole lot of material that's coming out on this release. So that's uh, a lot of book out your behind next the scenes and laughing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, let's, uh, all right, well, well, let's, let's get into more about the Blu-ray stuff. So let's just cover two, two quick things here. Some, some other notable news items, uh, Ghostbusters International number 11 from IDW comics. Uh, this cover teaser that we saw, we have to talk about, we have to at least mention this because the Ghostbusters go to hell. Does that sound familiar to anybody? A little, hmm, kind of. Interesting. Um, but then, like the silhouettes of the characters, I'm still trying to decipher what we're seeing here. We know that the real Ghostbusters are coming back to uh, Ghostbusters International, so it's not 
completely surprising that we see uh rgb egon but um but it's like a it's like a combination of the two teams again right is that your impression of it i'm trying to figure out who we're looking at here in these you know back back to camera with the silhouette of hell you know who's who's there who is that that we're looking at i put nowhere near as much thought into it as you did Oh, quite okay. obviously, so I have no answer. It's <laughs> like but, oh, <laughs> that's that's Ray Peter Winston and Egon. Um, I I actually only had a, a slight look at it, and I am familiar. The one point I made was I wasn't looking at the guys, but I was kind of like that demon thing up on the ridge looks a lot like mayhem, and I realize it may just be oh, because yeah, it's in yeah, proximity. It it's it might just be because it's how close in proximity we are to the the movie and all that. But I'm like. That thing looks kind of familiar. Ah, interesting. Mm. Well, I'll be I'll be curious. I mean, I don't know. I I doubt that there are any shades of Ghostbusters hellbent in the direction that Ghostbusters International is taking. But um, and and of course, we have seen we have seen the Ghostbusters die uh, previously, and we've seen what the afterlife looks like. So this is not something new in the comics, but uh, could could be an interesting twist uh, coming up here in issue eleven. It could be. I am also a small part of me holds out hope that uh, if they bring back the real Ghostbusters, that perhaps the demon might be, um, or at the very least, mentioned. The um, very early in the comics, the now comics run, they dealt with a demon. Uh, I remember Ken Stacy's fantastic airbrushed covers with the demon like sitting on a, a nuke and. Slimer gonna whack it with a hammer and oh all my that god, sort of yeah! Thing. I didn't even make that connection at all, but yeah, that's one of my favorite runs on on the RGB now comics is that you know Peter befriends basically the son of the devil uh, and protects him from his there's there's like the the lawyery kind of like uh, the lackey like the devil's lackey uh, who ends up being like the Walter Peck from hell. It's kind of funny. <laughs> love that run i'll have to go reread that so i mean if they're tapping into and they are tapping in because we saw in the last issue uh i believe it's one of the gooper ghosts i can't be sure but yeah they're in central park chasing down one of the toys from the toy line right obviously <laughs> uh we screwed up by the way we're we terrible screwed up people. uh-oh what did, oh, what did we, we let's issue a correction oh yeah we have to i don't <laughs> We, you and I, when we were talking about how far we how behind we were with the cyclotrons, we're trying to figure out what issue we were up to and agreed that it was six. And Uh-oh. that, yes, that cover to eight looked awesome. Yeah, it was eight that came out last week. Oh, my God, <laughs> you're kidding me. No, oh no we are so we are so off the curve oh god you see that this is how far behind we are guys i are had so no idea behind. and the worst part is i've been reading them i'm just oh so. my god all right unbelievable i'm way overdue to hit up my comic shop and and download the digital version so i gotta i gotta do that now so, guys sorry, i'm sorry everybody. i'm surprised nobody gave us crap for it but uh so maybe I should have kept yeah. my mouth shut, but uh, yeah, but yeah, no, right. it's I'm I don't know. I'm excited to see where this all goes. Yeah, me too. So okay, one one more publication because this one's pretty noteworthy. I love and you love uh, equally the behind the scenes stuff from all of the Ghostbusters films, and uh, yes. Steve Steve Johnson, who has been a a wealth of material in terms of behind the scenes on making the onion head puppet and the sculpts and all sorts of cool stuff that he always puts onto his Facebook and, and 
and I, I believe has contributed some stuff to cleaning up the town, but don't quote me on it. Um, Clean up town. He had his own disc too. That he, he did put out with years that Slimer ago. statue, right? Yeah. Like you, you could buy the disc and you could get the Slimer statue. Um, but so he's he's got a new book that's called Rubberhead that's coming out. That's you know sort of his. Um, not like a memoir, but sort of his telling of a lot of the awesome, uh, you know, uh, films that he's worked on. Cause he worked on quite a few and all of the creatures that he designed. And, um, it's, it's very cool. He was, uh, here in Los Angeles, uh, on CBS, uh, KCAL nine. And, uh, we've got, we've got a little clip of Steve talking about the book. So here's, here's Steve. He's the award-winning special effects artist behind movies like Ghostbusters, Spider-Man two. And now he has a new book. It's called Rubberhead. Steve Johnson takes us into the world of slimers and werewolves. And Steve is here to tell us all about the book. Part part one, right? In a five-part yes, series. It's a, it's a five-volume series because I can never seem to shut my mouth. And I've done so many projects that it kind of warrants that. So this is a, about your life in the industry, right? It's, it's a memoir, but it's also almost like a coffee table book. Like it an art is. Book. It's very unique in the fact that it's kind of half memoir, half art book. Um, the story is pretty interesting, and I think no one has ever written a book like this, and they probably never will again, because most people actually care about their careers, the future of their careers. Oh, so you spill in some secrets? Oh, spill yeah. Spill in some dirt? Yeah, this is very unique. It's kind of like my approach was kind of do, to do what uh, Anthony Bourdain did with Kitchen Confidential, mm-hmm. where he blew the doors open from the, in the restaurant industry, and this is kind of a very unique and brutally honest look at the effects industry in the glory days of the 80s and 90s when, when rubber ruled. <laughs> rubber. Uh, you also invented a, a lot of things that we saw on the screen, in, including the color-changing contacts. Oh, yeah. That was crazy. For Innocent Blood, John Landis' film. Yeah, those were, again, before digital technology, those were actual practical effects, lenses that could glow and change colors. And these are things that you try out on yourself, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have to. I have to, because if I'm going to stick something like that in an actor's eye, I better make sure it's safe first. So stories about actors that maybe said, no way, you're not doing that to me? Oh, God. You know, well, what I tried to do is I tried to, you know, focus on the biggest directors, people like, you know, James Cameron, Steven Spielberg, Mm -hmm. Guillermo del Toro, Tim Burton, and the biggest actors like Robin Williams, Mike Myers, Tom Cruise. list goes on and on. And also just tell stories that are really, really uniquely funny. So there's a whole lot of humor in the book. And you, uh, when you work with these big names, do directors ever give you an assignment and, and you just say, I can't really do that, I can't do that, but then somehow you find a way? Well, the way I do it is yes, they give me assignments that are absolutely impossible and I say, yes, I'll do it. Oh, okay. When I don't have any idea how it's possible or if yeah. it's possible or how much time it's gonna take or how much money it will take, but that is the nature of this business. It's the nature of creating the, impo- the impossible. You have to know that the shoot will open and you jump off the cliff. And uh, one, of, one of your greatest creations, I think, probably Slimy from <clears throat> Ghostbusters. Oh, Slimer, yes. Hey, Slimer. <clears throat> and, and did you have any idea that that movie was be- going to become so beloved? I had no idea. I was a kid when I did that film. I was like 21. And, you know, it, just like when John Carpenter did Big Trouble in Little China, I read both of those scripts, and I'm like, wow, you know, I don't really get it. What's going on here? But then when you see the way the directors, like Ivan Reitman with Ghostbusters, John Carpenter with Big Trouble, the way they direct it when they're in the trenches and the way the actors pull off the performances, that's where the real magic comes. So I, I had no idea. But yeah, look at him now. He's a coffee cup, a refrigerator magnet. <laughs> he's in the new He's, he's a had, star. Slimer's had a tough year, though, with the new movie. So. Yeah. Poor guy. So, you started out doing this as a child, right? Just gathering stuff around the house and... 12 years old. Yeah, I couldn't not do it. I really enjoyed the old Universal classics, the Hammer films. 
And but back then there were no schools. There were no books. I mean, we're talking the 1960s in Texas, in rural Texas. And so the best I could do was steal one of my grandmother's wigs, cut the hair off, and glue it on my friend's face with Elmer's glue. <laughs> I was just making stuff up. Oh, so this is uh, things that you were grabbing around the house, including grandma's wigs. Grandma's and this wigs. turned into one of the most amazing careers in, in Hollywood. It, it has been Did astounding. it seem impossible from where you came in, in Texas to, to where you are now? No, it didn't at all because it was a really gradual thing. I mean, it, when I really started trying to learn this, the business didn't exist at all. It wasn't until around the, the, the mid to the late 70s with films like Star Wars, King Kong, um, The Incredible Melting Man, a bunch mm. of crazy things. When people finally started realizing, directors and writers realized that they could film anything they could imagine. So it was a very slow ramp up. All right, it's all in the book. It was crowdfunded, you raised enough, and now on to the second in, in this series, right? Volume two. All right, thank you, Steve. All right, Appreciate thank you. It. Alice, I'm gonna ask you a couple of standard questions, okay? Do you believe in UFOs, astral projections, mental telepathy, ESP, clairvoyance, spirit photography, telekinetic movement, full trance mediums, the Loch Ness Monster, and the theory of Atlantis? What are you supposed to do, some kind of a cosmonaut? What has that got to do with it? Back up. I'm a scientist. All right, so this is very exciting. Uh, on the heels of the home video release announcement here, we have a very special guest, somebody that we have been, uh, you know, c conversing with quite a bit, Chris and I, over the, l the last few years. Uh, Tyler Foster of DVD Talk is on the line with us. Tyler, how are you? I'm good. Well, so... Okay. Nice I, to talk to you as well. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, it's it's good to finally talk with you because, uh, especially with the film release, uh, we've, we've communicated a lot on Twitter and Facebook, and I'm sure... You know, followers of Proton Charging have seen uh, Tyler's name uh, in the comment threads, and uh, you've you've done yeah. a lot of, of great work helping us clarify stuff, like when the 4K release came out. And um, you know, as as soon as we saw this home video announcement, I said we got to have Tyler on the show. We got to talk to him about all these things. Help. Yeah, I know I know Tyler more as a community regular more than I see him as a TV uh, DVD talk guy. And then every once in a while, I remember, oh yeah, he's a DVD like, oh, talk. Yeah, guy. yeah, you do reviews <laughs> for DVD talk, and yeah. Um, but uh, so, all right. So let's let's kind of dive into this because there's a lot to talk about with this release, um, and uh, you know maybe we can kind of hit some of the bullet points here in terms of the features on the release. But then you know we can kind of chat about some of the the question marks that I might have, and we can kind of speculate on a few things here. But so I think first and foremost, it's the 4K Ultra HD plus 3D Blu-ray plus Blu-ray plus digital HD. That's the big Bertha release here that's got, uh, you know, three discs plus the digital copy. Um, uh, uh, Tyler, this is unusual, right? The, the 4K Ultra HD and the 3D Blu-ray and the Blu-ray release. Is this kind of... Is this a Sony thing? Is this uh, yeah. going to become like an industry standard or is Sony just trying to get as many versions out there for their players that they can? I mean, I don't know if it's going to become an industry standard, but since Sony uh, Sony invented the Blu-ray format, I think they're, you know, first of all, it seems like 3D Blu-ray is not going to be as much of a thing. Like, it was a little bit of a thing, and now it's sort of, I mean, there are certainly people who like it a lot and who still seek out 3D Blu-rays, but it doesn't seem to be something that they're pushing as much as 4K. Yeah. So I think... I think from Sony's standpoint, it makes sense to combine the 3D and the 4K. And as far as I can tell, they price them pretty much the same as the 3D combo packs used to be priced. So, 
really it's like getting a 4k disc for free you know? <laughs> yeah, so. exactly for 30 bucks you're getting every possible version you're future proofing yourself here but um yeah but so okay so 3d uh, that's interesting because i've noticed a lot of the 2016 sets you know samsung they're not uh, 3d compatible sets anymore sony doesn't have a lot of 3d compatible sets i mean are they kind of are, are we phasing out 3d in hopes that uh, the ultra 4k sets are the way that everybody's going to be going now yeah, certainly it doesn't. I mean, again, it just doesn't seem like 3D really took off the way the industry may have hoped that it was going to take off. Mm. People, I mean, the people who liked 3D from the beginning, I think they still like 3D, but I don't think they picked up nearly as many adopters as they wanted to. I think that I think they would have really liked for it to be more of a more of a popular adoption. But I, yeah. it, it, my impression is that most people didn't feel like 3D alone was enough of a reason to go buy a new TV and a new player. Hmm. Which, which is and interesting, that, especially now that 4K is out, the 3D, like I, I would kill for a, a 4K, uh, ultra 4K uh, passive 3D set, you know, that you can be utilizing all of those lines of resolution for the 3D now. But... Now that now that they have those sets that are 4K, they're not doing the 3D anymore. It's like, come on, guys. <laughs> I do think passive and and active 3D was probably another huge obstacle in like people adopting 3D is not really understanding what the difference was and you know which one was more effective and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, certainly the. Uh, the active glasses were always, I, I remember my dad saying, ah, oh, these things, they're heavy and I got to put them on in front of my regular glasses. And it's the same argument you hear about 3D in the theaters is mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable and, and whatever. But uh, so, I mean, it, it, to me, I mean, this movie, did you get a chance to see it in the IMAX uh, 3D at all when it was in theaters? I got to see it in, um, you know, like in the regular theaters, they have versions of IMAX. I got to see it. In that IMAX theater, I did not get to go to. In Seattle, they do have a real, true IMAX theater, but I did not get mm. a chance to go out there and see it that way. But yeah. um, I did see it in 3D, and I saw the the frame breaks and things like that, and that was really exciting. Yeah, and that's that's, uh, and we'll come back to it. But that's something I wanted to talk to you about is the aspect ratio because I saw in the back of the box that the aspect ratio is. Uh, so something something unique, but we'll come we'll come back to that. Um, but so in terms of of the bonus features and the extras, uh, you've you've gotten a, a hold of the actual press release. I have sort of bullet points here, but do you do you mind kind of walking us through Tyler what's going to be on this disc because it's it's pretty jam packed for a first uh, release as well. Okay, so there's some interesting things. Um, I was looking at your Twitter earlier, and I saw that you had a list from blu-ray.com in the forums um the list that they put up in the forums isn't quite like it uh, i don't know why it's so disorganized and yeah. it's also not doesn't seem to be completely accurate um based on the press release um like in the post that somebody made on the forum there's something called slamageddon create your own slammer slime which i don't see in the press release um I have a list of all the featurettes, which are um, Meet the Team, uh, Visual Effects 30 Years Later, The Ghosts of Ghostbusters, Chris Hemsworth is Kevin, and Slime Time. Um, And they talk about 11 deleted and extended scenes, or 11 extended and alternate scenes, four deleted scenes. Um, There are are two commentaries, although um, one of the things that I was able to confirm today, which is disappointing, is that 
it says cast commentary on the information that you have, but it is not a cast commentary, which is a bummer. Oh no! There, so there aren't two separate commentaries on the disc. There, there are two. There are two oh. separate commentaries, and I can tell you who is on them actually. Oh, uh, the man, first one fantastic. is fantastic. The first one's a filmmaker commentary, and it has Paul Feig and Katie Dippold. And the other one is a technical commentary with Feig, um, producer Jesse Henderson, visual effects supervisor Peter Travers. Special effects supervisor Mark Hawker and production designer Jefferson Stage. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, because one of the critiques that I was going to have of these five, you know, featurettes was it doesn't seem like there's a lot of meat and potatoes for the, you know, production design and costume design. So maybe that that technical commentary is going to hold all of the the answers that I so <laughs> so greatly yeah. have sought after uh, for this movie. But there's a lot of good things on this Blu-ray. But uh, yeah, I got to say that the um, documentary material seems like. I mean, reading that list, it looks like Chris Hemsworth is Kevin, for instance. We've definitely seen that. That's that's the one they put up online, I think, um, for Secretary Day. Um, right, and I think right. so those seem like they're probably not going to be very in-depth. They sound like promotional material that they've just put on the disc. Hmm. Yeah, kind of like the EPK featurettes, which are shorter and soundbite driven. And yeah, that's that's a bummer because I know that, you know, there were there were crews on set. So, you know, there's a lot of footage that I'm sure that they have in a can, but maybe for a another release down the line. Um, so, OK, so you the filmmaker commentary, the uh, technical commentary, that's excellent. Um, th- were anything because there was a photo gallery. I saw there was like the Lionoramas, uh, which they then <laughs> kind of renamed the jokes. Jokes aplenty, uh, I believe. Maybe well, Lionoramas is an jokes- Apatow thing. That I think Jokesorama is one of them. If I if I'm not mistaken, there are f- there are five of them. Holtzman Gone Wild, The Patty Show. Kevin Unleashed, The Bird, and then A Joke's A Plenty, Free For All. So I think they they, they bunched up the lineoramas with specific mm-hmm. performers, and then they have one that's just everything else. Oh, interesting. Okay. I mean, those those all, they, they end up being very fun. It's a lot of the alternate lines, alternate takes, uh, all the stuff that they're spitballing on set. I, I always love watching those, especially like, like the gag reel. They're just... There are a, a lot of energetic uh, cuts and, and kind of, you know, that that sort of similar vein. But um, and then there's the deleted scenes. Um, and maybe, Tyler, you can shed some some light on this, because what I'm trying to figure out is they're saying there's three hours of bonus content. Then you have the extended edition of the film, which is 17 minutes uh, longer than the theatrical version. But then you also have 11 alternate scenes and four deleted scenes. So I'm wondering if this is if these deleted scenes and alternate scenes are in addition to the extended version, uh, or if this is like a branching content thing, what have you gotten any clarity on that? I actually have what, assuming this is true. Um, I have even better news than that. Oh, so the press release actually says 11 deleted scenes or 11 extended and alternate scenes four deleted scenes and an additional 60 minutes of deleted scenes on digital. So it sounds like that there's going to be a certain amount of deleted content on the disc. And then if you redeem the digital copy on either iTunes, Vudu, or the new Comcast digital service, there's 60 more minutes (laughs) of deleted content. Oh, my God. Wow. And I think think when they say three hours, I think that that extra hour of deleted scenes is part of what they're counting. Uh, that's kind of unprecedented, right? Having that much content as like a streaming uh, digital redemption thing. I don't. I can't recall anything that's really 
I mean, short of Wake Up Ron Burgundy, which was its own disc that was an hour, uh, I can't think of any movie that's done that. That's that's amazing. Yeah, and uh, you know, if you if you you know, this is just this is a shot in the dark. But if I if I were to say that you know, on a general like a Paul Feig or a Judd Apatow DVD, there's about forty minutes of deleted scenes. So maybe eleven extended scenes and four deleted scenes is somewhere in that neighborhood, like thirty-five to forty-five minutes, and then you have an hour of additional deleted scenes that are different online and you have the 20 minutes put back into the film you know he said the first cut of the film was about four hours so that seems to be maybe that's the entirety of the deleted material yeah we may be getting our wish here of seeing the entirety of that four hour assembly cut unbelievable i I really you know when people were saying you know they read that interview and they're like i wish i could see that i was kind of like there's no way you're gonna see all of those deleted scenes but maybe i'm wrong yeah. Oh my God. All Sounds right. pretty close at any rate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's going to take a, a whole weekend to watch all of this content down, which is great because I was worried that it was going to be a vanilla release that, you know, maybe there was a feature added in some of the TV spots or stuff that we had already seen on there. So it sounds like they're really just jam packing the, the release. Um, but uh, in terms of, is there anything else in terms of the bonus that stood out to you, Tyler, that, that we haven't talked on? I, there's a, an image gallery, which I'm hoping we get a lot of great, you know, all of those, um, like the the special promotional shoot stuff uh, that they did for like the posters and for promo, but maybe there's some BTS stuff in there. Um, I mean, other than that, it doesn't seem that you know remarkable or like unconventional. Um, it's mostly those additional deleted scenes that really stand out as something, yeah, you know, special and unique. Um, but it does seem like they really went, you know. It's like when they the ball is usually rolling on all these extras. Um, while they're making the movie because they want to be ahead of the game. And so um, if you do come up against the fact that, you know, as we have to admit, the movie didn't do as well as they would have hoped. So it's possible that, you know, there could have been like a feature-length documentary or something in the cards that didn't get put on there. But it does seem like they're trying to make up for it by putting every bit of content that they already have that already exists out there for the fans to enjoy. Yeah, maybe they were banking on the movie doing well and they could have done like a special edition like box set down the line with the yeah like the hour hour and a half uh, documentary on it as a special feature or something but uh but it seems like there's there's a lot of content in here that definitely makes it worthwhile um well let's let's talk let's talk technical about some stuff because uh i have you on the line we have to um uh, DTS, uh, we've got, it's, looks like we've got a DTS HD master audio track, which is, which is going to be great. Um, hold on one second. Uh, let me, cause I don't have the, um, press release in front of me, but I can bring it up. And I believe it mentioned for the 4k, it should include Atmos. Oh, does it have the Atmos mix on it? Uh, it's loading oh. here. So for those of you, while he's while he's looking this up, for those of you who are not familiar, DTS HD Master Audio, it's a lossless format, but then Atmos, um, you know, is the new Dolby format that has uh, multiple channels, including overhead channels. So when you go into an Atmos uh, theater, you're getting beyond whatever it's it's nine point one, right, Tyler? You're you're getting yes. three more channels uh, right down the center of the theater above you. And yes, it does. It does say on this press release, um, your home theater will be haunted by the stunning sound design with Dolby Atmos audio wow. remixed, especially for the home theater environment. So unbelievable. I mean, uh, for for those of you uh, that that have the 
the capability of playing back the UHD discs, uh, that Atmos mix that's on the original Ghostbusters, uh, that, that it's, it's night and day. It's, it's a totally different mix. It's a lot of fun to listen to. So this, that's exciting. That's really good news. Um, I'm not going to be impressed until they include 4D tracks. <laughs> smell of vision. Rumble chair. Yeah, exactly. smell vision. I mean, they, they did have D-Box. D-Box, on yeah. Did they? Yeah. <laughs> I think that was that was a big that's, Fox that's thing. Insane. They would always have D-Box uh, enabled. Yeah, on like all on all, all the diehard yeah. Blu-rays have D-Box. Uh, I don't. I don't know anybody that actually had a D box uh, chair at their house, but uh, yeah, I know I have a lot of discs that are D box enabled. <laughs> um, wow! But I uh, do have. There, there is one other detail from the press release. Um, this is probably the one that I would take with the biggest grain of salt, but it is in the press release. And when I um, did some research into the press release, I did get confirmation that this is the case. Um, I was reading this the the line about the. Um, Ultra HD release, and it mentions the frame break effect. So apparently, the extended cut of the film has the frame breaks put back into it. So even if you're watching the 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 extended cut of the film is not available in 3D because the the 3D is a post conversion and it takes a lot of you know money to convert it to 3D. But it sounds like they are doing the frame breaks in the two dimensional long version of the movie. Oh, that's uh, that's interesting. So you'll you'll see it break the mat lines on the top and the bottom of of the frame. Well, wait. So so the the four K release is two three nine, right? Is that because uh, I saw that on the back of the box and I wasn't sure. It says ten eighty p two three nine to one. Um, that may just be like a for placement only thing on their box art. But does do, does your press release say anything about the aspect ratios uh, on any of the releases? I'm wondering if the three D version is. Um, you know, like one seven eight, and then the four K version is two three nine, and then the Blu Ray version. I wonder if we have three different aspect ratios here. I mean, no, the press release doesn't mention the aspect ratio. Huh. Um, that's interesting. I mean, was the f- uh, I, I have such vivid memories of the original Ghostbusters being scope. Was the new movie really not scope? Well, I think it was because when you go to IMDb, it shows that the native aspect ratio is two three five. So I figured, yeah, we're going to get the scope, and then if they do the frame breaks, it's going to be above and beyond the two three five. But, um, mm. but yeah, I'm, I'm wondering. Uh, I'm wondering if I mean, there's, there's really no difference between two three five and two three nine. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Um, but it, and you know, with the IMAX release uh, being a, you know one seven eight, I was wondering if they were going to do the shifting aspect ratios or if it was you know there was going to be a version to watch the imax uh, 178 aspect ratio or uh you know it's it's ghostbusters it's not uh <laughs> it's, <laughs> we're, we're not talking about 2001 here where it has to be in scope or whatever but um yeah it would have been interesting to see all the different aspect ratios um, no mention of no mention of imax ratio on the press release but so uh, does does your the the information that you've been able to sort of cultivate from the press release and beyond have you gotten an idea of the exclusives because I know a lot of people are interested in the the Best Buy Steelbook and you know I'm I want to definitely get the Target exclusive that has that bonus disc uh, maybe people <laughs> Actually, want the socks in Walmart I don't know but uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny because that was one of the questions that I was trying to lock down and they were actually very adamant that they do not talk about store exclusives for whatever reason that was kind of funny but um the one thing that does seem to be true based on what you can find on best buy already is it does sound like the best buy steelbook will be the 4k 3d bd combo pack okay so so that'll include everything in the kitchen sink 
Yeah, so you won't have to buy a separate, you know, 4K to get that. <laughs> don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> don't have to. Well, yeah, mm. I mean, that's... I, they're, it sounds like they're learning from, was it Star Trek Into Darkness that Paramount got so much grief over with all of the Target exclusive, uh, yeah, yeah. Best Buy exclusive, Walmart exclusive, and, you know, in order to get all of the content, you had to buy, like, five versions of the movie. Um, you, even, you even had to get it on iTunes because iTunes was the only place that had the commentary. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, that... Uh, wow. Glad, glad that's not happening. At least if you want that bonus, uh, it's like making the world of Ghostbusters, or I can't remember. I'm paraphrasing the name of the the making of featurette, but that's that's the bonus disc that's coming from Target. Which sometimes Target does that; it's a digital redemption, and sometimes it's a disc. So I'm I'm curious to see if it's an actual disc or if it's a download. But mm-hmm. um, so yeah, in general, in general, you get the downloads with Walmart because Walmart has a stake in Voodoo. So. Um, I mean, Best Buy used to have a stake in Cinema Now. I don't think that cin- I don't. I don't really know what's going on with Cinema Now anymore. It might be sort of defunct at this point because yeah. I don't think it was being widely adopted. But um, one thing that you could look forward to potentially, um, they used to do this when Cinema Now was going. You know, they would usually put out um, pre-order cards for um, steelbooks and stuff where you could order them in advance at um, customer service and then you would automatically get the digital as soon as you could, which is the September 27th for this for Ghostbusters. So that might be something to look out for. I, I have no idea if that's going to be the case here, but I, I like doing that because then you get the digital early. Yeah, I mean, I, I like having both. I don't know. I, it seems like you and I probably share a similar opinion that I, I like having the discs on certain uh, certain titles, but I also like having the digital so that I have it there at my fingertips or, you know, can stream it through uh, Apple TV or whatever. But um, I, I mean, I, having you on the line, I don't want to put you on the spot, Tyler, but how do you feel about the UHD format uh, as a whole? Are you are you ready to embrace it? Do you have the, the equipment uh, in your setup that you can actually Unpo- play back the UHD? Yeah, I was going to say, I have to admit, I do not have uh, the UHD yet. Uh, it's a little out of my price range at the moment, but, um, it's certainly something that I'm interested in. You know, I can't think of any reason why, you know, the next time it comes around to buy a TV that I would not buy a 4k TV. Yeah. Especially with the prices that are, you know, they're slowly, it's not a $4,000, uh, investment. <laughs> now you can actually get a UHD set for a pretty good price, but, um, and, and the UHD is, I believe in the new Xbox that just came out, right? The Xbox S or, yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, hopefully it'll start showing up in more consoles and, and all of the players will start being able to play those UHD discs. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's this is something, uh, something something that I just read at a glance. Like, I don't I don't have a lot of information about it. I don't have the information in front of me, but it sounds like um, um, Comcast and Universal in general are going to be pushing like 4K um, on your computer. Like they just announced some sort of mm. initiative to really start pushing 4k is the next thing so 4k monitors and you know 4k streaming service <laughs> and and just in time for apple to be unveiling a 5k monitor and samsung to be doing <laughs> the same it's it's so hard to future proof now like i have all these discs that i bought because i wanted the 3d just in case i ended up getting a 3d set and here i am i'm like i don't think i'm gonna get a 3d set anymore i'm just gonna go <laughs> for a uhd set it'll be totally fine uh, well, so, uh, d- Tyler, I mean, uh, you've, you've been so gracious to talk to us about, you know, breaking all of this stuff down, but you're a Ghostbusters fan at heart. So, you know, it, I'd be remiss not to talk to you about Ghostbusters while you're on the show. Um, th- this, this film, um, it, you, 
You enjoyed it, right? You you enjoyed going to the theater and seeing this movie, didn't you? I did enjoy it. I mean, what's what's interesting is, I mean, for me, um, like about a few months, I think it was in April of 2014, you know, I wrote an article that was easily the most, like, it's, of anything that I've written, more people read it than anything else, which is, I wrote an article that was called um, The Five Dumbest, this isn't just about Star Wars, The Five Dumbest Arguments Against Gender Diversity, because they had just come out with this picture of the Star Wars cast, this the first photo of the whole cast doing a script reading, you know, the black and white photo of them all right. sitting in a circle. And it had, you know, it only had, like, I think Daisy Ridley and, um, and Carrie Fisher were the only two women in the picture, or maybe Kathleen Kennedy. And so people were talking about how you know, this needs more women in it. This needs more like gender and racial diversity. And a lot of the Star Wars fans were pushing back against it. And so I wrote this article um, explaining why those arguments were stupid because I do think they're stupid. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and and it was interesting that at the time, like I got some comments from well-meaning people who were they were arguing against it, but they weren't really that up in arms about it, you know. And then ultimately, um, Star Wars actually really, the, the Kathleen Kennedy really pushed um, forward with this, and they cast a bunch more women. And they, you know, when you watch, uh, like J.J. Abrams has talked about, like he made sure that there was gender diversity even in the background shots. All these, all the extras had gender, you know, and racial diversity, and um, that was really interesting. But then, you know, Ghostbusters is a film that I grew up with, and then I really loved and i knew that they were you know i felt like there is no way that in my lifetime it doesn't matter what it's going to be like there's no way they don't make another ghostbusters movie. sure like yeah at some point sony's going to do something and so for me it was really exciting that ghostbusters got to be like the idea of ghostbusters being at the forefront of pushing forward in terms of you know diversity and so that was really exciting so i was on board from the very beginning and um, I think it, it feels I was just thinking today about that and how different the environment is between when I published the Star Wars article and the reaction to Ghostbusters was just like night and day in terms of how how vehement people were <laughs> that this should not be happening. <laughs> it was, yeah, I was going to say it's quite the opposite of what happened with Star Wars, where it was like <laughs> women Ghostbusters. Come on. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I I did enjoy the movie. Um, I, I I had maybe I was maybe more critical of it than some people have been. You know, some people are very positive and some people are very negative. But I'm I was sort of in the middle in terms of you know there are a lot of good things that I liked about it, especially the cast. The cast is great. Like I really have no problem with their dynamic and watching them together. That's the thing that I would be most excited to see if they were to ever make a sequel is just watching them interact with each other some more um but i'm really interested to see if the um extended cut you know clears up some of the things the reservations that i had with the theatrical version yeah it would almost all, all of the holes and all of the things that may may have been left uh, left behind uh yeah hopefully they get filled in there but uh it was interesting because they put out that buzzfeed deleted scene um where it's, I mean, uh, in addition to enjoying that scene, it's it's kind of striking how easily, um, like when you watch the movie, like they're going to the car, like they leave the building, they get in the car and they go. It's like 
but there's this whole thing there that you had no idea about how easily that the, there's all this other character stuff in there that they just snipped right out. And I remember reading an article. I don't remember whose interview it was, but I, Paul Feig had made a comment that made me think, like he said something along the lines of, I think people want to see, you know, a spectacle in a summer blockbuster. They want to have a lot of fun. They want it to be a ride or something to that effect. And so it, it'll be interesting to see if the the extended cut is more character-based and a little less, you know, I don't want to say less energetic, but a little less focused on being, you know, on at all times. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, giving it that room to breathe, that was my interpretation when I saw that BuzzFeed uh, scene, which def- definitely go check it out. We, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the show uh, here, but yeah, it just felt like giving these actors time to, you can tell between um, Melissa McCarthy and, and Leslie Jones, like they're ad-libbing all of that and they're just riffing off of each other and the, the result is fantastic. And if they would have just had that time to keep going, I don't know, it's, it's almost a result of, you know, now uh, big blockbusters, like you were saying, they have to be faster and more intense, like the George Lucas uh, adage, everything has to keep moving and keep going because we got to get to the third act. And, uh, you know, if this movie would have been cut like a, like a mid eighties film where it had some, uh, some lulls and some valleys and some time to breathe. I wonder if it would be totally different. I guess now we'll get to see, we'll get to see more than 60 plus minutes of it all. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and so in that sense, you know, I certainly understand like normally when people say, you know, I'd like to see the version that has all the stuff cut into it. It's like, if you know anything about the way films are edited, you're like, no, you really probably yeah, you don't, don't want to see that. Probably, yeah, it's probably not really very exciting. It's it's going to drag and, you know, peaks and valleys and it's it's going to be very uneven. But I, I do understand the appeal of just, you know, just relaxing in the vibe of the film for four hours like that. Yeah. You know, so it is it, it will be really, really exciting to see all these deleted scenes and stuff to see all the, you know, all the other character beats and stuff you know and like on a previous podcast there was you know a lot of people have talked about how aaron's arc seems a little bit shortened so in in particular that's the thing that i would be interested to see more of there was that scene in one of the featurettes where she punches a guy outside of the um (laughs) right outside of the mercado so i feel like that's the kind of stuff that hopefully is going to go back in and we'll get to see more of what uh, because we haven't been able to really you know dive into more analysis uh, episodes, Tyler. If you don't mind me asking, what were some of your other critiques of the film? Things that you know may not have played for you, or or things that uh, didn't quite land. I mean, I think the 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 section of the film that I struggled the most with is the beginning. Um, if there's any element of the, you know a lot of people, um, it's sort of you know either or with people, but some people have pointed to the movie's devotion to the original being one of its big weaknesses where it keeps, you know, uh, bringing in the cameos and stuff like that right. and callbacks. Um, but I think actually the worst callback, um, even though it is a funny scene, and even though I do understand that it's necessary, um, is actually the desire to open with a quote-unquote librarian scene. I feel like the first scene of the movie um, – would be or somewhere near the beginning of the movie at least there needs to be a scene where you you see um abby and aaron's falling out because i don't feel like you get a mm. good foothold on their relationship um to start oh and I wish so that, that zach woods scene that you're talking about right at the beginning at the aldridge mansion that scene mm-hmm. yeah because that's that's clearly and 
a, a way of mimicking the original in sort of a Star Wars Force Awakens kind of way where you want to start with the scene where there's this other character who gets who encounters a ghost, um, some random person. So that feels like one of the more um, one of the elements they drew mostly on the original to figure out how to structure the movie. Hmm. Um, and so I you know I think you know I I can imagine that would also be a good place theoretically for a flashback where Abby and Aaron have a falling out and then yeah, you would yeah. you would know something about those characters going into the rest of the story and you you could have you could have had the ghost encounter with uh Aaron becoming the ghost girl you know seeing the the specter in her bedroom when she was a kid of the woman next door or the old lady next door uh that you know then then you're introducing a main character that would have been interesting yeah that's that's a, a unique way to look at it um, mm-hmm. what, uh, what, in addition to that, anything else that uh, stood out to you? Um, one thing that I would actually disagree with people on in terms of things, something that they, people picked on a lot and I don't, I don't think I agree with, um, is that I guess my impression of the scene with Bill Murray is that actually Bill Murray, like people, a lot of people have said, you know, Bill Murray is not very funny in the movie. And I, I think that's true but i also am wondering maybe he's not supposed to be funny maybe he's really supposed to be you know an antagonistic character um i find that scene very important in terms of you know abby's philosophy versus aaron's philosophy and i think people a lot of people just say it's not a funny bill murray scene uh it needs to go out of the movie but i think it's really important from a character point of view from the new characters yeah that's it's it's placing the focus on the new characters rather than, you know, here's Bill Murray stealing the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it has one of the lines in the movie that is most pointed in terms of its double meaning, which is why, are, why are you pretending to be ghostbusters? Which is the line that I like a lot. <laughs> or why are you pretending to bust ghosts? I think that's a nice subtle, but pointed underlining of the movie's controversy. Yeah. A little bit of subtext in there. Yeah. Um, I do think it's very I do think it's very weird, although, you know, when I read an interview, you know, um, as to why it is the way it is, I do think it's very weird that they don't have a shot of Bill Murray being put in an ambulance so that there's no not this confusion as to whether or not he dies. But I have read since then that, you know, that was the plan and they cut it out at the last minute. And so they just don't have that shot. So oh, that's because I, I had read, too, that they they had filmed like with the chalk outline as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that maybe they they were a little on the fence if uh, what <laughs> what Mr. Heiss's fate would be. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so, so the big question here, Tyler, is will you be reviewing uh, this release when it comes out and, and where should people look for it when it happens? That's a good question. I, I'm not sure uh, if that's you know, sometimes you have to make the decision of whether or not you want to make it work or whether or not you want to make it for your own enjoyment. Sure. Um, it might be something that I just want to enjoy for my own self. Um, but if if I review it, it would certainly be for DVD talk. Yeah, and it, and it seems like, uh, you know, knowing that you've you've had a love for Ghostbusters too, you you may have a little bit of bias. You may, you may have yeah. a little <laughs> conflict of interest in there. Uh, my Actually, my... My very first memory, the oldest thing that I can remember is Ghostbusters related. Okay. I was I was I was actually buying or no, I, I had come home with a Winston action figure and I watched an episode of the cartoon. That's the earliest memory of anything that I can imagine. Oh, my God. That's that's uh, that's incredible. The, the little flashes and memories and things that you remember that that's that's what your earliest memory is. And you never know if, you know, 
in my mind, that's my oldest memory. I could be wrong. And, but it, it, it is interesting that I remember coming home and watching the cartoon and having the toy, but I do not remember buying it. So, <laughs> Well, you know, it's it, yeah, that's, that's what stands out is uh, the enjoyment that you got out of it, not the excitement of actually getting it. Yeah. Um, that's true. Well, so uh, any, anything else that we haven't touched on, uh, Tyler, that, that you'd like to talk about with us while you're uh, on the show here? Let me see. Like like you, I was like I said, I listened to the last episode, and I have a I actually wrote out a bunch of talking points here. <laughs> oh, the only other thing that I was going to mention is that um, I did confirm it does say in the press release that the DVD version of the film does not include the extended cut. It includes the commentaries. It includes one of the lineoramas. It has the photo gallery, and it has three of the featurettes, but it does not include the long version only, the theatrical cut. So oh, that's yeah. Have, we we didn't even touch on the standard def uh, DVD. So so there will be a, a DVD release that does have uh, at least some of the bonus features on it. Yep. It's a, it says commentaries. It's, it has an S. So it says it seems like it includes both of them. Um, uh, it has jokes of plenty free for all. It has the photo gallery and it has meet the team visual effects and slime time of the featurettes. But it doesn't have anything else. Hmm. So no deleted scenes on the DVD. So if you do want the long cut and you want all the deleted scenes it sounds like you want to buy it on digital and then i mean that also brings up a, a interesting question then too the commentaries must only be on the theatrical version of the film then uh not on the extended version uh, I, and it was interesting because i was you know as you mentioned at the beginning of the show you know i was pointing out um oh both of the cuts are on the blu-ray um but then the 4K only has the extended cut and the 3D obviously only has the theatrical cut. I kind of took that as maybe they're saying the 4K is essentially the director's cut because that's the only one they're presenting in 4K. But maybe not. If the commentaries are on the theatrical version, then who knows? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's that's interesting. That'll be interesting to track, too. What I wonder what Paul Feig's definitive version of the film ends up being here, if it's the extended version uh, or if it's the theatrical version. Um, there actually or is a another guy, version. There actually is a guy on the Blu-ray.com forums. He started a site. Um, I, I think the URL is what cut should I watch or something to that effect. And he just tweets filmmakers all day and gets them to answer. Most of them answer him, like, which cut do you like the best? I think I think Paul Feig answered either or on all of the on all of the <laughs> I don't think he he came down on one side or the other. That's yeah. He I'm especially in these movies that are improv heavy. I'm sure it's tough for them to say. Well, yeah, you know, my favorite cut was the uh, six hour assembly that I did at the very beginning of production. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it um, does feel like on this one there may be a sense that you know who knows. Obviously, this is maybe you know stuff that we won't find out about for a long time if ever. But it's like. Who knows how much pressure was on him to create the theatrical version in terms from the studio, and then how much freedom does he have compared to that when he creates the extended version? You know, that might be the kind of thing that would make him prefer one version over the other. But that's not something that we we're going to find out about. Oh yeah, not not until there's a little bit of distance and and time on this one. Yeah, not until uh, Claire and Anthony make a documentary. <laughs> yeah, re-cleaning up the town, <laughs> cleaning up the town again. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, cool. Tyler, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's, it's been great talking to you. We'll have to have you back after the disc comes out so we can sort of dive into it and talk more about things, uh, and, and kind of do a retrospective chat about it. Uh, now that we've kind of, we've done the, the precursor to it, we'll have to kind of look back on it, but, um, yeah, thanks for joining. Uh, and, and Tyler, where can people find you in addition to DVD talk? Where's a good place to follow you and all the reviews and stuff that you do? 
Uh, yeah, DVD Talk, and then also I'm on Twitter at um, at TylerFDVDTalk.com. Perfect. Or not doc- just not, Tyler at- <laughs> not dot com. Yeah. yeah, it's such a it's an easy habit. Yeah, I totally understand. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, thanks, Tyler, and uh, we'll we'll chat with you after the disc comes out. Yep, and thanks for having me. Ah, good afternoon, Chris and Troy. This is Joe Riccadelli calling again from the Atlanta Ghostbusters. Uh, you put a call out. You wanted to hear what we're going to be watching this Halloween season. Um, you know, uh, and I don't really know uh, what we're going to be watching exactly uh, through Halloween. Uh, no, probably want to throw in Beetlejuice or something. One of my, it's one of my favorites. It's a nice inverse of Ghostbusters. We have the bio exorcist. Uh, one of our members, Joe Lavender, is doing the. Uh, doing the GB web series, uh, uh, the Ghostbusters uh, web series on YouTube. Uh, he's doing the uh, mashup costume uh, at Dragon Con at the end of this week uh, of, of Beetlejuice as a Ghostbuster with a People Buster pack, and it looks really cool. So you guys will be hearing this after he's already worn it, so hopefully uh, some, some of the listeners and stuff got to see that in person, maybe take some photos. Um, uh, definitely uh, thinking about uh, going more towards uh, Christmas, New Year, uh, Yuletide season. Uh, we got together last year as a group and had like kind of a potluck. Uh, everyone hung out together. Uh, we called it Bustmas, uh, and, uh, and with all the all the adults and uh, all the uh, and all the kid uh, members just hanging out at, at one of the one of the members' houses, and um, they all played together and we watched uh, a very Murray Christmas, and we watched Ghostbusters 2 because it's a New Year's movie. Uh, this year we might. You might want to just throw in uh, GB2016. That'll, that'll have already been out for a while on DVD, and I'm sure we'll have several copies. Uh, and uh, to, to cap it all off, I definitely am feeling that uh, Ghostbusters fatigue, that sort of sugar crash you were describing. Um, that was a really good way of putting that, because that's exactly what it feels like. It's sort of like you pulled a few all-nighters, and you were getting ready for the final exam and the final project in school. You put in all these hours and all this time, and... and uh, went out and did, did all this, uh, all this stuff, we did all the promotions and all that, and then uh, I just had a, just a pinching headache uh, after all that, just needed to recharge a little bit, um, but you know, Dragon Con's here, PKE Surge is here, we're going to need to kick it back up again, we're going to be in the parade, and of course, uh, Halloween's right around the corner after that, so we got to get our energy back for that stuff. Uh, at any rate, uh, I hope you guys recover well from uh, from all the Ghostbusters uh, fatigue from the from the sugar crash, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey guys, so uh, frequent listener, frequent caller, great answers from everyone. What's up, Corey, Chris? Uh, great episode. Uh, yeah, and we hit that little uh, wall there. We just need to relax here, as Frankie says. <laughs> but and. Everything's good. Well, I'm excited for what's coming up too with the DVD release, and uh, of course we have the IDW comics that are awesome. I'm so glad that Dapper Dan Tilden and Eric Bernheim have put it out. So uh, yeah, can't wait for the next episode. And like always, see you on the other side. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, 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 stoppers. I'm sorry, we'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our call-in line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. 
We also have a Facebook page and Twitter accounts. Spence is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professional. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. Right, so uh, you know, uh, a few few uh, revelations there with Tyler. Things that I'm, I'm actually glad we had him on the show because he was a lot more prepared than I was. Uh, he's got a lot more of the answers that you and I didn't have. So, oh yeah, um, good good to have that guy on the show. I, I mean, I, I love Tyler. Tyler is one of those guys that's you know on on our Twitter, on our Facebook, and I mentioned it uh, to him in the interview. But yeah, he's he's always quick to jump in and always just like super nice, just a nice dude. And so good good to have him on the show. Yeah, absolutely, and um, it's nice that there's actually still a couple of question marks about the release. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It'd, be, it'd be no fun if everything was completely canceled. So things like the aspect ratios and stuff like that, I'm curious to see how it pans out. Well, um, and gives gives us a reason to watch uh, multiple times when we like well, like we were talking about last week, where we can pause things, we can sort of uh, absorb yeah. things a little more. You know, we can take a look at it in a different aspect ratio, in a different mix, a different extended cut. You know, we're going to get to know this movie again, which is it's it's fun. Like we're still getting to know the characters, we're still getting to know this world, and that's that's the kind of stuff that I love. Like when you're listening to a, a good soundtrack album, you know you're still kind of absorbing it. Uh, and and you know we all are spoiled by listening to the original 1984 Ghostbusters uh, album, and it evokes certain memories or a hatred for air supply in some instances. But uh, you know it's it's something that you've had or. Yeah, <laughs> Well, anyway, it's something that you've had in your. Guys, I'm sorry. I can't wait. It's not my favorite song, but for some reason, Ghostbusters karaoke. It's yeah, no, I mean every lyric. That's that's the thing is you've you've had it in your brain now since 1984. So, Uh, but anyway, so uh, yeah, thanks to Tyler for joining us. We're really uh, excited to check out that Blu-ray disc. Uh, Chris, we've got a little bit of time. You uh, you have a final thought for us this week? And you know, I'll always be there. Uh, Welcome to Ghostbusters Karaoke. I can't wait. No, (laughs) my final thought. (laughs) Uh, I don't really have one except, I don't know why we didn't talk about it uh, earlier in the news section, was the Allura FX video. Oh, yeah, the VFX breakdown. It just uh, literally the day after, as is usual, the day after you and I recorded the last one going, more on the effects would be awesome and Cinefax (laughs) isn't covering it. Boo! Uh, Allura, one of the three or four companies that did uh, effects on the movie um, principally it seems like they did uh, ghost stuff um, put together um, you know the a very stylish presentation of the whole process from yeah yeah here was the here's the shot we took here's the stuff we composited together uh, and a really great look at the use of um, uh, drones and yeah, um, yeah. lots of LED lighting for yeah, all of natural the interactive light casts yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's uh, it's it's so cool, especially after the movies usually come out and they run their course, and the VFX companies want to highlight their work or 
in most cases, you know, want to get that Academy Award nomination, they put together these awesome breakdowns where they do like the tearaways where you see like, here's what was filmed. Here's where we put the lighting pass on it. Here's where we put the ghost in it. Here's where we put all of the atmosphere on it here, you know, and you go, oh my God, they added so much to this. And yeah, this, this was certainly the case, especially that, that shot of the, uh, the ghosts turning in the trailer, you know, the where you see like the flapper ghost and all of the different time the, period uh, ghosts and well, the the parade, the parade, the parade. yeah, yeah, the reveal yeah. of the parade. Um, but uh, seeing them all with their like the I don't know how to just like the LED light strips like running from sort of like shoulder down to toe. Um, yeah. But then they had to put in the skeletons, like they rendered models of the skeletons and composited those in, and just such an awesome amount of detail. So yeah, uh, go. Gertrude herself was a, oh, in a couple of places was uh, actress, then skull, then horrifying skin overlay, and then eyes, and then we'll throw in some vomit, and it was <laughs> yeah, well, and and kind of reminiscent of of the library ghost in a sense that you know you have Bess Rouse doing the the movements and they kind of it's it's uh for people that have the Criterion DVD for the or Criterion DVD Criterion Laserdisc for the first movie. Um, where you see, and I'm blanking on her name, the woman that played the librarian doing these really goofy rah, rah, yeah. <laughs> into camera, <laughs> and it's it's kind of evocative of that. It was really funny. So yeah, go. It's it's kind of a visual thing, so it's tough for us to talk about. But yeah, definitely go seek that out. We'll put it on the uh, the uh, Crossroad Facebook and Twitter account so everybody can see it if you haven't yet. But. It, it is really amazing to watch, like the use of uh, a drone flying off the stage to stand in for mayhem uh the light collar that they put on um on uh, leslie jones for when they oh, right. standing on yeah, there when, uh, yeah even a strange uh light box on a fishing pole to come up out of the sewer when the rats came <laughs> up and just yeah like i've never seen so much interactive light applied to but it's great. I mean, that's that helps the animators so that they have that the spill in the faces, yeah. and you know, when they're shooting the the proton wands, you have like that that orange uh, light coming off of the the end of the the barrel. So yeah, it's it's very yeah. Cool. Well, very strange because in some of the long shots, uh, I noticed that they had the the barrel extensions on there, but then that that uh, the close up of them where they are on stage and they fire up one at a time, they didn't have it on. They didn't have that. Very, yeah. But I almost wonder if, if that only, was the, if they'd already painted them out at that point. Like if we saw the version where they painted oh, that's out possible. the, yeah, because you do if you see only, it sort of spill into their their clothes and stuff. Yeah, if only some special effects focused magazine were you know could write some sort of <sighs> article to fill in some of these blanks. Yep. <laughs> Guys, we're gonna keep banging this drum until it happens. Right. I've lost my drum. <laughs> drum found. Uh, but yeah, that's uh. Yeah, yeah that's my final thought. That's a good you final thought, man. Go, one. go, yeah. go! Take a look at that. It's so not very uh, deep. it's literally amounts to it's two final thoughts. <laughs> go see that thing and go watch uh, Strange Things. And go watch Stranger Things. Oh, dude! All right, let's talk about more Stranger Things. No, okay, <laughs> we're wrapping stuff up. I'm sorry. All right, everybody. Until until next time. Before we get into more Stranger Things, uh, this is Troy, and joining me as always was Mr. Chris Stewart. We'll see you guys on the other side. Who you gonna call? Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip. Visit us at ProtonCharging.com, GhostbustersHQ.net, and StillPlayingWithToys.net. Hey, this could be one of my two favorite shows. You're kidding me. Oh.
Oh, great. What was the other one? Bashmasters. Everything you're doing is bad. I want you to know this. You truly scare me. I just want to let you know that. Next week, though, Hairless Pets. Weird. Troy is my friend, and he's crazy.